Big Fluff. Are you all right, my dear? We haven't met before, have we? No, I'm not from round here. I was abandoned. Oh, poor thing. Would you like to see me make the jellical choice? Am I allowed? Why wouldn't you be allowed? I'm not a jellical. Not yet, perhaps. Come, we're about to begin. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And I'm really glad that we decided not to do like really long and drawn out introductory songs for each of us because I just didn't have time to write one. So yeah, you know, apparently you can just say a sentence about yourself that uh just makes it clear what your thing is like you don't have to like prepare an entire uh five minute dance number should we take it from the top then or yeah let's start uh well okay but before i mean we're already diving in there and i'm 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 like you i'm chomping at the bit i mean you know this is 2021 (laughs) we gotta we gotta come out strong you know but new year new us new podcast I mean, it's the same podcast. Same old podcast. Yeah. It's, but new new energy. New energy for sure. But let's, we first of all, we got to say what we're doing this month. Uh, just to be clear, our theme for the month. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this, this obviously, this movie is a shining beacon of this. But we, we wanted to focus on uh, respected, beloved, uh, well-liked celebrities, however you want to classify them. But, but celebrities with status uh, doing very baffling projects. Yeah. This is... is Good actors and bad movies. <laughs> yeah, that's the much simpler, cleaner way to say it. Good actors, bad movies. It's like uh, that campaign that you were a part of, the uh, Good Pizza, Bad Andy that you did. Yeah. yeah, That's where all the money for this show comes from, is Andy still living off his residuals from being Bad Andy, the Domino's yeah. uh, <laughs> puppet. It was uh, shortly before they went with the Noid, so that's why you probably forgot about it. But Fun, real fact about the Noid. They stopped using him because of a murder. That's a different podcast, though. That's but it's an true. entirely different podcast. It's true. Look it up. Google it. Google the Noid and murder, and then that's why you don't see the Noid anymore. Because you should avoid him, because he'll murder you. Should you should avoid the Noid, because he will murder you. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about cats. Let's talk about cats, baby. I'm allergic. <laughs> yeah, I am not. Uh, but I had cats growing up. Uh, we had three cats growing up. I had zero because I'm allergic. What I learned uh, from this movie is that I knew my cats by a certain name, but apparently Mm -hmm. they had other multiple secret names that I was unaware of. Wait, so you're saying you didn't know Flibbly Gibbet's name? No, I did. I didn't, and I didn't know what was the what was the thing in this where it's like. Then there's the third name that no one knows. It's like what? What? What are I think these that's rules like from Dungeons and Dragons? Where if you learn the dragon's true name, you have power over it. I think that's what that is. Yeah, or it's like uh, I think the clo- so the best example I can think. Of, this is only two names, but uh, if you're watching The Mandalorian, I think you can see a little bit of that. Or like for a long time, uh, it was the child, and we we didn't know uh, the name, and then. 
uh, we learned that it was Grogu, and you can see the reaction when uh, he didn't know the the name, and then when he started using the name Grogu, he gets a better response. If he ever learned the secret third name, Baby Yoda, then uh, he would get a much bigger reaction. Yeah, if he knew that everyone just calls him Baby Yoda, regardless. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's the name that can't be known. <clears throat> yep, it is. Okay, so <laughs> let's... Let's talk uh, about cats. Let's talk about cats. We have to talk about the plot, and that is an impossible task. And so I don't really know how to approach it. But what else? This is the part of the show uh, where we we yeah. set we tee it up a little bit. But man, I do you want to take a crack at this? Because so I have described the plot in one sentence. Okay. And it's a bunch of cats introduce themselves until one of them gets chosen to die. That is, that's a log line right there. <laughs> that I hope that was on the front of Tom Hooper's script for sure. Uh, but that's yeah, the, that's, that's the elevator pitch right there. That is the the cleanest situation. There's definitely uh, a midsummer thing happening here where. The Jellicle cats seem to be some kind of death cult, and they're nominating which old cat they're going to murder uh, in order to preserve their society. Oh, yeah, for sure. So this this has uh, Wicker Man vibes to it. The whole deal. I mean, I you watched the same movie I did. This movie ends with them going like, hey, we did it. We picked you. You're you're the one. Uh, get in this hot air balloon and then float off to nowhere. Yeah. We never see uh, the, I don't remember the, you know, you would think Grisabella. for a movie. Grisabella, thank you. I was going to say you would think for a movie where they just spent the whole time introducing themselves. I would have remembered the names better. But yeah, we never see Grisabella like ascend or transform. We just see Grisabella float off. Yep. To death, presumably. A hundred percent. That is, that is a metaphor for dying mm -hmm. so it's you know sort of shirley jackson the lottery vibes midsummer wicker man you know you know pick your pick your <laughs> uh odd civilization getting together once a year to ritualistically murder someone you know uh, joe versus the volcano mm -hmm. yep that one too uh so okay. what if they dialed in on that what if they just like just weren't metaphorical but like this is the plot of the movie it's wicker man but with terrifying humanoid cat demons. They should, because their legit is a, a terrifying cat demon uh, in in this story who has magical powers, which I... And it's not the magical cat. No, so I was very confused by this. Uh, I'm just going to say, I don't know what your experience is. I, like, knew of the musical Cats, but I had never actually seen Cats, you know, before now. So this is my only uh, really, like, exposure to the story. I did watch some of the, like, Broadway musical on YouTube before this show, but... I want to say at one point I saw like one of the filmed Broadway productions of it. I've never seen it like on stage. I never didn't see it on Broadway. Didn't see a touring company or anything like that. But I feel like I, I feel like I've, or definitely seen bits of it. Cause it's, it's sort of ubiquitous in Broadway culture. So yeah. It's one of the longest running and highest grossing shows of all time. Yeah. I think according to Wikipedia, I think it's, it, cause it was the, the longest running for uh, at some point, but I think it's currently like the fourth longest running 
Broadway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I I did see Starlight Express in middle school. So if you have any questions about Starlight Express, I can answer all of those. So but, many. Yeah. They're on roller skates. First question. <laughs> what's Starlight Express? It's an uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber musical where, where they're on roller skates, where yeah. they're on roller skates because they're playing toy trains. It was I mean, look, Toy Story should have cut a check to Andrew Lloyd Webber is all I'm saying, because I'm pretty sure they just saw that and then were like, what if we made this but less insane? And then that was Toy Story. Yeah. 100 percent. Um, Yeah. Cats. Is is a banana show. Like, let's just put it out there. Like the show in and of itself, the plot, uh, which is largely unchanged. I mean, they cut a few characters. They merged a couple of characters, um, but it's, it's essentially the show. You know, most of the, it, they yeah. only, most of the songs are in, I think they added one. Yeah. You, you weren't kidding the plot. Like if you think that Andy's like being flippant, that is all that happens. Like uh, an outsider cat shows up to meet all the Jellicle cats. Uh, and the Jellicle cats are just saying that old Deuteronomy is going to show up to pick which one of them uh, gets to. What are they? <laughs> what what euphemism do they use for murdering the cat? Like ascending? I don't know. Like transforming? Yes, they go to like the the heavyline plane or something like that yeah uh and they do say it's the jellical choice uh yes they have the jellical choice at the jellical ball for the jellical cats they love saying the word jellical it's like they're uh smurf you know yeah. it's just they're i think it's a catch-all term that means nothing and everything all at the same time so uh yeah so but that's it they it's the first half of the show is just characters describing who they are and why they should be picked and then um, one is picked. Yep. That's all that happens. That's everything that happens in the show. There's some chicanery with the evil cat McCavity that is an evil cat demon uh, trying to kidnap the other Jellicle nominees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do we want to talk about McCavity? I'll talk about McCavity. If you, let's, if, you, if you want to talk about McCavity, I will talk let's, about let's, McCavity. Let's talk about McCavity. <laughs> let's have a little talk about McCavity. Let's have a okay. little chat. Let's, let's get into uh, this McCavity. All right. First of all, played by Idris Hold Elba. on a second. You just said, let's get into this McCavity. <laughs> <laughs> just want to put that out there. Uh, yeah. Didn't want to let that go unnoticed. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, it sounds like, a, like I'm playing like a whimsical dentist character. Let's get into this into McCavity. McCavity. He's Irish, I think, uh, for sure. Let's get into this macavity, shall we? Hi, did I, did I? Oh, did I, did I? I've been eating too many potatoes. It's okay that we do this, by the way, because I'm Murphy and you're McIntyre, so it's, yeah, hundred percent, totally fine. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so okay, so Idris Elba plays this character who is a demon cat. Hundred percent is a demon cat, and. So what he does for most of the story is he sizes up his competition of who might be picked as the, the Jellicle choice. Uh, and he uses teleportation to put them on a, a ship uh, in, in the Thames and uh, ties them to the ship to, to leave them there so that they can't be picked. Yep. And then... At the end, when he's not picked, after uh, Taylor Swift gives him like a banging, uh, like you know, 
biography uh, song. Yeah. Uh, to try to sell like, hey, pick pick this guy. Uh, I'm Taylor Swift. Like, pick him. Uh, and uh, it doesn't work. So then he teleports old Deuteronomy to the ship. And this cat that is the one that gets to decide uh, who who's picked ha- is done, like just completely outmatched and can't escape or overpower him or really do anything. Just done at that point. And then uh, a cat who does close up magic has yes. to has to save old Deuteronomy. Mr. Mistopheles, mm-hmm. the magical Mr. Mistopheles. But it, it takes him a really long time. It takes him the length of an entire song to conjure up the magic in order to bring old Deuteronomy back. But then he does, but he's not picked uh, because um, the poor, sad, <laughs> rundown, used to be glamorous cat that sings the only song that you remember from this musical memories uh, is picked. Grizabella. Grizabella. And then she's put in a hot air balloon and uh, sent to sent Oz. Sent to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's. Why not? Oz, death. It's really the same. Essentially. Yeah. So, you know, she she floats off. And then. Yeah. And then it ends. I guess the our our point of view, like protagonist cat is made a jellical cat in the end. Yes. Victoria does get to become a jellical cat. Which I end. guess was important. They said Jellicle enough, so I'm inclined to think that. It was real funny, too, because, like, uh, you know, Grizabella floated off and they they sang this big song and then the song ended. And I like Molly and I both just fully expected credits to just start rolling. But then they didn't. And it was like it was weird. Then there's like a five minute conversation about making Victoria a Jellicle cat. Yep. And then they end it. And then they end it. Because you always want to end your... (laughs) Your musical with a like not with the the end song that's catchy, but with some dialogue that always doesn't seem important. Yeah. So uh, the other description, and I think this was actually the tagline on the poster, is that this movie is a fever dream that takes place in the uncanny valley. Yeah, no, that and that's true to this version this version, yeah. Particularly. Uh, because I think if you were to describe the Broadway musical, it would be like uh, a, a furry convention gets out of control, you know, and, and tries to seduce the audience. I'm pretty sure is the, the pitch of the Broadway musical. Yeah, that's why furries exist, I think, is because of cats. Yeah, no, I'm utterly convinced that uh, some people in their formative years saw Rum Tum Tugger in that spandex suit on stage and then, like, discovered some feelings. and Had that, some stirrings and... Yeah. Yeah, because there's a character named Rum Tum Tugger uh, who's in this. There's There are a lot of just insane names that are all from the... Um, yeah, because this is an adaptation. We haven't mentioned right. that yet. Yeah. It's an adaptation of a T.S. Eliot book. Which right, is, a T.S. Eliot book of poetry. Which is, whoa. <laughs> like, and and all the names are, are in the T.S. Eliot. Like, obviously, this, uh, if you want to call it a plot, is not in the T.S. Eliot thing. But all of the names, including Jellicle, including, like, all of these cat names. Rumtum Tugger, Mr. Mistopheles, McCavity. Uh, Grizabella, Old Deuteronomy, yeah. Jenny Any Dots. Let's not forget my favorite, 
Rumple teaser. Rumple teaser. Yeah. Skimble shanks. Skimble shanks. Uh, Mungo Jerry. <laughs> yeah, Mungo Jerry. Yeah, that's a, you know, because you, I don't want to leave Mungo Jerry out because obviously Mungo Jerry's like the Marty Janetti of the tag team that is Mungo uh, Jerry and, and Rumble teaser, teaser. Who's the Shawn Michaels? Oh, but, yeah. Rumple yeah. teaser is so the Shawn Michaels. <laughs> um, even weirder, I think. So there's like that classic one hit wonder song in the summertime by Mungo Jerry. And that that Mungo Jerry is from the, the book, not from the musical Cats, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Man, just insane names like. Yeah. So the names are wild. Uh, but yeah, I guess getting back to. So. So there is the play. There is a play that, uh, as we said, uh, ridiculously successful on Broadway. Uh, I'm not sure why. I'll just throw that out there. I, I can't account for its success it, it, from the YouTube videos that I saw, which are not a fair representation of theater. It seemed high energy. It seemed fun. Uh, there was a lot of dancing. High on spectacle. Yeah. I, and I could see it being something, you know, that like tourist uh, could be interested in. And especially like people maybe... Uh, if English wasn't your first language, like because it's not I mean, it, it's probably better if you don't understand what they're saying or what's happening. It's very much just based in like dance and performance and people wearing cat suits and uh, dancing around as cats. Because even the character of Victoria is usually cast by and is the case in the movie is cast by a dancer first, singer second. Mm -hmm. um, as with Francesca Hayward, she's part of the Royal Ballet Company um, more so than she's a singer. Uh yeah, so it's I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think this is also a big reason, like why musicals are so successful is usually that if they can start attracting the tourist crowds. Yeah. Like that's what keeps a musical open for years and years and years. Yeah. And and again, I think if you're a kid, it would be fun if you just want to see the dance. Like it doesn't you like that's the thing is we can sit here all day and we can dissect the plot. The plot is completely irrelevant. It's a concert full of cats saying songs about themselves and then it ends like i think that that is the appeal it's singing and dancing and you know an, an old-fashioned <laughs> like uh theatrical experience like I, I think so and i think that segues into why this movie was a horrible mistake because i i was glad that i watched some of the the video of the original because i wanted to because i was like i need to see not this version because I need to understand. And the biggest thing that stands out to me is that this version, the theatrical, and look, it's really hard to adapt any musical theater experience into a movie. There's not that many of them that are good because they're just, they're different mediums or different experiences. Like you will never replicate live theater in a movie. And yeah, for, for every West Side story that I think is successful at adapting, there are a bunch that are not yeah, successful. Most of them. And then when's the last one that was good if you don't count the fact that they just pointed cameras at Hamilton and put it on Disney Plus, which would have been a better idea for this, by the way, if they had just pointed cameras at the the Broadway the, one. The show. Yeah, um, I I think the last musical that really sort of made any noise was Les Mis, probably. But that's not good either. I mean, it has no. Russell Crowe singing. We could very well be doing that right now and talking about Russell Crowe singing in that. Yeah. Uh, um, so. And I, I love Les Mis, the show. I think it's fantastic. Such that I, I give something of a pass to the musical. Also directed, or the movie also directed by Tom Hooper. Mm -hmm. he, um, should, he should stop. 
or else we should get to take back his Academy Award. Yeah. Um, weird thing, and this is the last I'll say about Les Mis, but it's one of the few movies that's actually better to watch on your home screen rather than in the theater because like those extreme close-ups aren't as jarring. Also, Anne Hathaway is great in that. Yep. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, she's she won an Oscar, deservedly so. Yeah, one hundred percent, she deserves that Oscar. Anyway, back to this. So back to cats. This is a musical that is basically not improved by watching it in your. This is not improved by any. There's nothing good about this. It. Well, we're gonna get to the silver linings, but yeah, this was a bad idea. But it was a bad idea, and and I think what hit me is that it is so noisy and so distracting and so shoddily made that as you said i mean they cast a professional dancer in the lead you you'd never know that you'd never know any of the dancing is good the the dance numbers if if you were able to focus on a single bit of choreography you have a better attention span than me because all i got from every song and every dance number was just the experience of being hit in the head repeatedly with like a blunt object. <laughs> like it just felt like things were just being shoved in my eyes. And I, yeah, this, it this was all so, yeah, it's an, it's an ocular assault. Yes. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Like it's, this is the movie that if you wanted to do a clockwork orange type situation to someone, you would just play this. You would mm-hmm. tape their eyes open and make them watch this. Yeah, it is. And like the because they use CGI to blend all of these actors into these cat demons and it's freaking terrifying. It's the CGI is terrible. It's, it's it's not good. Yeah, but it's it somehow manages to look worse than if you did just put them in cat suits, which is, you know, uh, the not like. They have human hands, which is really upsetting, and I don't understand why. Uh, their ears are in the wrong place on the top of their head, so they, they don't have cat hands. Because that's the thing. They don't look like cats. Like If you had made this as like a Pixar movie and made them be animated cats, you would have had a – this would have been a better experience. Right 100%. Away. And there was talk of doing that, and they, for some yeah. reason, decided to force this monstrosity on the world. But yeah, so so they don't do that, and instead we get this, and none of it makes any sense, because again, they have human hands. By the end, they didn't even bother to CGI Judy Dench's hands. They, she just has human hands at the, in the last scene in the movie, uh, yep. with like rings on and stuff. They they stopped caring by that point, and I don't blame them. I mean, like, what you know, it's the last scene in the movie, like get your money and get out of there like you've you've been through a lot cgi artist who made this movie <laughs> like, well and i think i read somewhere that they gave this uh the special effects company like six months to sh- cut the footage for the trailer and then only another three months to finish the rest of the movie which it's every single shot is just a hundred percent cgi but even though there's right. human actors Every human actor has CGI effects on top of them. You could almost argue that if they didn't do the Broadway makeup and just did like full on like Rick Baker style makeup for all the cats and made them look like human cats, that might have been better, too. 
Yeah. They also don't move like cats in this. And I watched some of the uh, the original Broadway. They they There's much more cat movements happening in the choreography in the original. Versus the, so a lot of times it's like these weird island of Dr. Moreau, half human, half cats, like standing there doing really weird half human half cat things also the scale is terrible let's also oh god not... that was the next thing i was going to bring up yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> if the proportions of these cat demons and the scale to which they live in this world is insane well and also because then you couple that with the, the world it, this is a world where humans exist right because they talk about humans but we never see a human uh, well, the opening scene when when they throw uh, Victoria's bag out, we see a human, and that's it. Okay, but other than that, like there, it's just like a ghost town. <laughs> They've murdered all the all the Jellicoe cats have murdered all the humans, and now they must like they ran out of human sacrifices. That's why they're now sacrificing their own. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> like, it's sometimes things are sized to them. Sometimes things are sized to humans, and sometimes things are just sized randomly. Actually, most of the time. Things are si- like because the scale doesn't make any sense. Like the chairs are all way too big. Like, but then, you know, I don't know. There's like James Corden's character was eating like uh, chicken legs, but like the chicken legs were scaled to him. So I don't know if they're supposed to be like rat legs or something or like <laughs> they're canary legs. They're canary are dogs. They're just because we didn't see any dogs in this. So there was the one dog barking with during uh, Rumple Teaser and. But um, I'm saying we, we don't know that the, the demon cats aren't hunting the dogs and cooking them like chicken. I'm sure they're hunting the dogs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like there's that stuff like and then sometimes they'll have silverware that'll be like way too big for them. Sometimes they'll have silverware that's like their size. You know, it's just it's all over the place. Like there was no production meeting. I think everyone just like, I, look, I I don't know what the set was like. I don't know what Tom Hooper's like as a person. Watching it, though, I got the vibe that no one cared about. Yeah, what, 100%. <laughs> like, top to bottom from... We'll get into, with a few exceptions, I felt that way about the acting. Um, but, like, production for sure, CGI for sure, choreography. It seemed like everyone maybe had already signed on and couldn't back out, but realized pretty quickly, this is a bad idea and just we're coasting. Yeah. If, if there's one moment in the movie that really sums up the entire movie, it happens less than five minutes in, um, Idris Elba's McCavity is watching the Jellicle cats be Jellicle and literally all the sound cuts away. Everything cuts away. And he's just like, what? And then it picks back up again. (laughs) Yeah, and that was just that was Idris Elba. They just forgot to they just left it rolling and then the editor didn't catch it because how would you catch anything? How would you know right. what how would what you was? know that's not the right footage? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't even think Tom Hooper caught it because I think by the time he saw it, he was like, Oh God, this is what I made. <laughs> so yeah, it's all it's all all over the place. Uh and and utterly bizarre. The the town look cgi like all of the sets don't look real no this is this looks as cgi as the star wars prequels like it's just people standing on green stages acting to nothing yeah and no and the cgi looks about as 
Jar Jar Binks looked better than the CGI in this. I'll, I'll no. say it. Oh, no, no, no. For sure the prequels have better CGI than this. Like, that that scene that I hate that they put into A New Hope where they is CGI... about as good. Uh, they CGI a terrible job of the hut. Uh, is about this good, you know, as this, uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's it's utterly baffling. Um, the The characters are all, like... They all it's all just introductory songs, but everything is so loud and so overwhelming and so just too much spectacle being jammed in your eye that like I, I it was impossible to distinguish one song from the other in this, which I don't think is true of the the Broadway thing. They just all started to run together somehow. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite a song through musical, but, you know, I think even in the Broadway version, there's not a ton of dialogue. There's like some little interstitial things, but. Yeah, this just feels like a nonstop fever dream in the Uncanny Valley. No, it, it does. It really, really does. And I I had that where I I was like, I'm going to focus on this as hard as like it, it made me want to focus more like of just like like I need to sit close. I need to like take in every detail because I thought that would help and it did not help. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about on the show a few times is the pause it test. Yes. Yeah. And the only reason this movie passes it is because I didn't I wanted to try to not miss anything. Not because yeah. it was good, but just to like try to get it, I, I guess. I don't know. But I, I did pause. I ended up having to, to pause it about halfway through <laughs> and then went, oh, no, because I realized we were only halfway through. <laughs> Because it is about how it's a two hour movie and it's about an hour in that they start having the Jellicle ball. And I was like, oh, God, like there's there's an hour of the Jellicle ball. Um, one thing I've never been happier to be wrong about or to misunderstand something Um the the way because this is on HBO Max, uh, the way the HBO Max counts down is it keeps the end time static. So when I first look, I'm like, there's an hour and 50 minutes left. I've been watching for a half hour. And then I realized, no, no, no. It's yeah, I've yeah. been watching for like a half hour. I just have to get the next hour and 20 minutes <laughs> through and then I'll be good. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, is there anything else we <sighs> want to malign? I like James Corden, but damn. Uh, I will follow that up by saying I like Rebel William Wilson, but damn, <laughs> they're <laughs> both not good in this. Yeah, I, I also like Rebel Wilson. I'll give you that, and also damn. Yeah, they're. I dare say they're. I won't say them specifically because I feel like that's unfair. But their segments, like their songs, are the two worst songs in the yeah. whole thing. Like it's just bad. And Rebel Wilson is somehow in a in a entire movie that is utterly nonsensical and fever dreamish manages to out weird everything else because there's dancing cockroaches. She takes off her skin at one point and has a different skin under it. Like her fur, she unzips her fur. And also there's that, we didn't even talk about that. Like some cats wear clothes. Some don't some, well, some of them had tennis shoes. Like yes. Skimble shanks, the railway cat has tap shoes and and uh pants and suspenders yeah and and old deuteronomy is rocking just a fur coat the whole yeah time. which is clearly 
that Deuteronomy killed even older Deuteronomy and made a coat out of her. Yeah. Where's that movie? I would watch that. Older Deuteronomy? <laughs> Cat's origin, old Deuter- older Deuteronomy. And it's just her singing memories as she's like bashing the head in of older just, Deuteronomy and like skinning her. Well, and you know, you know the tagline of that movie. There's only one way to skin a cat. Oh, dude, that was good. Yeah, that was really good. No, I, I like that. Yeah, because it like, and that would explain why there's no powers, why she doesn't have any powers, because she just killed old Deuteronomy and is assuming her identity. Right. <laughs> it makes sense. This is played by Dame Judy Dench, by the way. Yes. Yeah, Judy Dench. Yeah, Judy Dench is in this movie playing this part. Um, you may have noticed if you haven't seen this movie or it slipped by your radar, which I don't know how it could because this is a famously maligned and bad movie. Um, but it has sexiest man on the planet, Idris Elba, mm-hmm. Dame Judi Dench, one of the most respected British actresses of all time, mm-hmm. uh, American late night TV darling, James Corden, Rebel Wilson, um, Taylor Sir, Swift, one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Yeah. Sir Ian McKellen. Sir uh, Ian McKellen. A a living legend in the like London theater scene. Right. Um Ray Winston. Ray Winston. Yeah, they're they're all in this. Uh, and and as you said, like clearly an accomplished uh dancer signed on for this. Uh yeah, who, Francesca Hayward is an accomplished dancer. Who um, took time away from, you know probably doing better ballet performances than this to, yeah. to do this. Um, yeah. And it, all these people signed on, um, they all look ridiculous. Uh, it's, Oh, and Jason Derulo. Yeah. It it's, I, I mean, I know that James Corden and, and rebel Wilson made fun of this, uh, at the Academy Awards. I, I, I haven't really heard anyone else weigh in on it, but like, I, I don't know how they feel about it, but like, I know how I would feel about it. it and I I'll say this as we because I kind of feel like we're we're on the edge of like I am ridiculously sympathetic towards actors. I I haven't had a lot of on-camera experience, but I I've done some uh film stuff uh, of various uh levels of production, but the thing that I I realized is you have no idea how anything looks and you have to utterly trust whoever is directing because they're the only ones who see the finished product. They're the ones who see you uh, making the choices. They're, they're the ones who know what the camera's getting and they watch the dailies. So, right. And you have, you're shooting dozens of takes, have no idea which take that take that you might've thought you nailed will never be seen by anyone else ever again, ever. Yeah. And then with this, like you signed on to do cats, it's a, it's the fourth, longest running Broadway musical of all time. You didn't know it was going to look like this. You didn't know it was going to come together like this. Like you, what you signed on for, you could not have possibly fathomed uh, that it would end up like this. So, so my heart does go out to the actors. Cause like it's yeah. Like actors always take the brunt of uh, the criticism because they're the, the recognizable ones. They're the and, face. They're the literally the front facing piece of the movie. Yeah. And I will say, most of the time, it is usually not their fault. There are exceptions, but uh, but yeah, well, all of that to say as we... So I think, are we good the, to, to... one? Oh, just oh, one yeah. quick thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Derulo's British accent. 
Yeah. It's god awful. Not good. Yeah. And he if, shouldn't have done it. No. It was unnecessary. Well, and it's also, it's one of those things if you can't do a British accent, what is, that's going to ruin the reality of this. Just, just don't do one. Because I don't even, right. I mean, well, Taylor Swift only sang, but I was like, Taylor Swift didn't really do a British accent, I don't think. And that was fine. No one cared. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's pivot to, and I think Taylor Swift's a good point to pivot on because she crushes it in this, man. Taylor Swift is, is truly great in this movie. Yeah. And I, yeah. Her, um, her song is good. It's she sings it well. She plays. She acts the song. I think reasonably well. Oh yeah, no, I understand who she is. Like it, like I said, so many of the songs, and they're all songs that are meant to tell you who the cat is and what their thing is. And all of them became white noise in this like distracting fever dream. But like, I immediately understood who she was, what her song was, like the fact that she she's a hype man for. Uh, the demon trickster cat that that's trying to sell him. Like it was great. It was, it's a good song sung well by a talented performer. Uh, and it's and one, if that's what you want out of musical theater. I think. Yeah. It's one of the better sequences in the movie too. It's, it's shot a little bit better. It's, it's a little less manic than some of the other stuff. Uh, yeah, I, she was great. Um, Memory slaps. I'm just going to say it. It's Memories a great, it's a great a, effing song. There's a reason that it is all that anyone remembers from Cats because it's really good. And uh, Jennifer Hudson is really good at singing. Another it. Academy Award winner in this movie. Another Academy Award winner. Uh, she sings the song really well. I I know we're in the Silver Linings part. And, and I this is not on her. She's great. But like I did find it odd in a movie with legit older British actors to cast someone so young to play a character that is clearly supposed to be very old and like at the end of her life. I thought that was a strange choice, but like I understand it because she's ridiculously talented and yeah, she can, she was great. And she's a name. Like you said, she's won an Academy Award. I just like, it stood out to me where it was like, you got Ian McKellen and, and Judy, like you're doing scenes where Judy Dench is talking to this character and they're like the only two faces on the screen. And I'm like, you realize this is silly. The idea that she is old and like, right. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, you, you put her in like a ratty coat, but she's a young, vibrant, like performer. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain she's younger than both of us. Not that oh, we're I, especially old, but no, I guarantee she's younger than both of us. But, uh, but yeah, so that aside, she, she, I understand why she was cast because she she crushes the Just song. Absolutely knocks it out. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. I mean, yeah, she's a fantastic yeah. singer and yeah, it's great. And it's that's the song you have to get right and she she did it. So, yeah. No, she she was really good. Uh so definitely that um if we're talking if we're staying on performances, I I mean this sincerely and and obviously I love him. Ian McKellen was acting in a far better movie than he was in. He was acting in the best cinematic version of Cats possible. There's no doubt about that. And it, it, I, my experience of watching him, it felt like everything else stopped. And it kind of did because everything definitely slowed down pace wise, but it, it felt like the rest of the movie just paused so that we could all just watch Ian McKellen be a, an amazing actor who like I was so invested in Gus I wanted Gus oh, yeah. to get picked like Gus is great and, and he was doing cat stuff and he was doing 
mannerisms and acting and like Ian McKellen. Seriously, like he was in a much better version of this movie. Yeah, like that dude got me like I I like seriously, it broke through every bit of cynicism that had built up in everything subs like everything before that. And I, I was in it for his all too brief appearance in the movie. Yeah, um, I don't know that it's a full silver lining. Um, I liked uh, Francesca Hayward's voice. Uh, it just had this like very like classic Disney princess tone to it. And yeah, I, that that re- it was nostalgic for me, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, her voice is great, and uh, like um, she has really compelling eyes. Yeah, <laughs> very I expressive. Like, I feel like ninety percent of what she was asked to do was like look at things in awe, <laughs> and like her face is. is completely lost in a cgi nightmare that it was like her eyes did actually like i thought yeah like she she's very compelling to to watch well and unsurprisingly that one of the best ballet dancers in the world because ballet is is you know it's theater it's but it's dance it's not sung it's there's no dialogue it's everything is the dance um shocking that she's able to be so expressive you know of course she is because that's that's what she does and it was it was great I do feel like she probably had the biggest uh, disservice to her in the way that this was made in that, like, I feel like this movie completely washed out all the choreography that she was doing. And you can't notice it like I wanted to. And it's Mm -hmm. it feels completely lost in the like chaos that is happening around her. Everything had a video game cutscene vibe. Yeah, 100 percent. And that's a shame because I would imagine if someone pointed a camera at her rehearsing this part would be amazing. It'd be great. And you'd be like, why didn't you do that? (laughs) They could have honestly just cut in the rehearsals or cut in the, the raw footage. And that probably would have been like, yep, cool. Yeah. No, I'm pretty convinced that sincerely a, just one static camera filming this entire cast rehearsing would have been (laughs) such a better movie than what we got. Yeah, not even like the three camera Hamilton version. Just just no. one. Just just one. It could probably be an iPhone, honestly. <laughs> like just an iPhone in the tenth row. That that asshole tourist that's recording the Broadway show. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that bootleg version of the rehearsal is an infinitely better production than what we ended up with on screen. Um, um but that <laughs> silver linings. An, an unintentional silver lining was Ray Winstone singing quote-unquote oh my god i i really thought he wasn't gonna sing like i thought he was just gonna talk and when he started talk singing it did actually really crack me up i i I mean i i like ray winstone anyway i think he's uh a really he's he's as good at what he does as anybody is like in as character actors go like he's playing that like tough cockney bastard well if you can't get ray winstone you don't cast the part type of thing like he's that good well, and hilariously, in a movie that's all about all these characters spending five minutes saying, I'm this kind of cat, I am th- I do this, and I, like, he conveyed in one line of cockney, like, tough guy. Talk singing. Talk singing, exa- like, you were like, we get it. Okay, yeah, I, 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 well, I mean, you're here, so I got it before you started talking, but like, right. now that you've said a line, I get it, your entire thing. Yeah, he could have just been like, I'm Roy Winstone. 
Jellicle. <laughs> I, 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 owed, <laughs> I owed Tom Hooper a favor. <laughs> Tom Hooper did something to my brother. <laughs> and, and, and I need to make amends. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm here in this bloody play. Man, Jellicle. I would just say if they had gone Harrison Ford in Rise of Skywalker with him and he <laughs> refused to be CGI'd or put on a costume and he was just in street clothes, I would it would have bumped the whole thing up for me. Like oh, a that, that would have it would have lost them the Razzie, is what it would have done. <laughs> Man, they should have done that. <laughs> it's just he's just wearing a white t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and a newsboy cap and he's like oh. hey Tom Hooper <laughs> you done me wrong but I'm I'm here to make it right <laughs> it's a cameo it's, they just cut it's a cameo <laughs> from a cameo for Tom Hooper <laughs> and it's just someone holding up their phone <laughs> they stop recording the rehearsal and just turn around their phone. And just send it. Oh, oh man! And then it's just James Corden, like sincerely reacting to that. It's like, oh, that was great. Oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> then Rebel Wilson licks herself. Roll credits. She was masturbating at one point, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like that was an odd choice. That I happened. Yeah, I man, that her so we didn't spend enough time on her so I don't like it's almost I'm gonna counter so, that point and yeah. say we spent too much time on her. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, <laughs> it, it, is this a silver lining? I'm gonna you you can decide if this is a silver lining because it is for sure a backhanded compliment, and I will say that going in. But like, a lot of movies are bad. But this movie is so confoundingly bad in a in a way that I will never forget. So I think that's something, you know, there there are people that think that this is going to achieve cult classic status in the way that like Xanadu or I mean, even Rocky Horror, because like, yeah, and it's say what you will about Rocky Horror, like it's flawed. Oh, yeah. No, the second half of that movie is a mess. Yeah, that, that second act is no thank you. Yeah, uh, but and I, and I know that people like this movie. Lo- let's be clear. This movie lost a lot of money and it was uh, not a box office success by any means. But uh, there were a number of screenings that started popping up when it was in the theater of people being like, no, we have to go see this. Like, so it, it did have a little bit of that. It will be interesting to see. Yeah. If, if that maintains over the years, uh, for sure. But th- I mean, it is campy as hell. It is an assault on the senses. Yeah, it's it's so very it has a lot of the things that could turn it into a cult classic. I don't know. I feel like the assault on the senses part works against it because it, it's a very overwhelming theatrical experience. Like it I I felt fatigued when it was over. And, and Xanadu isn't? Yeah, well that's true. Why? Are you saying that Xanadu is not an assault on the senses or Barbarella or Yeah. When are we doing Xanadu? Any that, of those movies? That's that's coming up, right? There's yeah, that's got to be coming up. 
Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll get um, there. Yeah. I mean, so let's let's recap. Let's run it back. Um, in this fever dream and in, in the uncanny valley, there are some really good performances. Yes. That's, I think, a given. Yeah. There, there's a handful. Taylor Swift, of- Jennifer Hudson, Ian McKellen. The unintentional hilarity of Ray Winstone, which might be the hardest we've laughed in the context <laughs> of a show on this show. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, and that in and of itself is a silver lining. Yes, but yeah, all of those performances are and, are good. Yeah, uh, can't be called classic potential. I think it, it's it's a little backhanded, but I think it counts. Yeah. Um, I that's it, right? I don't think there's. Yeah, anything. that's that's definitely there's nothing. We didn't forget anything. No, I, I, I'd like to forget a lot of this movie. But it's, oh, and memory slaps. That's the other. I knew there was one more silver lining and memory slaps. Yeah, memory slaps. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's a fact. <laughs> it does. It man, just if you have Spotify, just play that song memories. It's, it's good. Yeah, if you can. Yeah. Don't watch the YouTube clip because just don't. No, no. Pull it up on your whatever music streaming service you like to use. No, I was very clear about that. Play the audio. (laughs) Do not play (laughs) an accompanying video. No, do not do that. Um, yeah. So, I think we did it. Yeah i I still don't know what a jellicle is, but yeah, neither do I. And that's okay. So until next time, keep on catting. Meow. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 